Welcome to the What's Inside podcast. I am Dan, and today we have a guest, Matt Sanchez, one of my really good friends. He's actually an employee of What's Inside and worked for us for years. So on this podcast, we see what's inside the mind of interesting people, people that I find interesting, people that are friends, colleagues. And in this podcast, I want to talk about Matt's unique experience because even before becoming to What's Inside, he had an interesting background to where he worked for the Utah Jazz for many years as director of marketing, was it? Uh, digital content. Digital content. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how long have you worked for What's Inside? We just passed three. So we're about three years and like four months. So almost three and a half years, which has flown by, I think. Yeah, that is. That's crazy. It's really flown by. Um, some of the fun moments, like I'm trying to think back to some of the things where I'm like, what are some trips that we've gone on? Because yeah. I know we've traveled before. Actually, we have a video that's kind of clickbait where people people have always click on it and they think that like it's Leslie hugging Lincoln and she looks really <laughs> sad. And yeah. it's like his first time out of the country. Well, it turns out like that was Matt's yeah. first time out of the country. Yes. It was yours. But we just kind of clickbaited it and the video did really well. Yeah. I think that helped. But that was tell, tell, that trip was fun. That was your first time out of the country. That was a great trip. So... We went on. We went to Germany. So the video was the uh, to the Mercedes Benz headquarters where we saw what's inside a Mercedes S Class seat. Really cool. Like you don't really think ahead of time. Wow, what is in a chair? Who cares? But <laughs> cares once you seat see it, it's it's actually unbelievable. All the tech that's in there. Um, but yeah, it was my first time out of the country. Um, kind of lived a sheltered life. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the behind the scenes on that one I thought was funny that a lot of people didn't really see in the videos at all. Cause we did was inside the Mercedes Benz museum, which is kind of cool because they have 11 different, not even museums. They're just like storage warehouses where they store all of these cars from their entire history. They have like one car from every production year ever. And a lot of times they take like the most requested options for each one of the car. And that's the last one off the line. They throw it in storage. But then they also have just like crazy cars, like the F1 racing car, NASCAR yeah. car, whatever car wins races, they put them in this garage. And so when we landed from all the way flying from US, like that was the first thing we did. Yeah. And we were exhausted. We had a brand new camera we didn't know how to use. We <laughs> yeah. like totally messed up the settings and we messed that up. It was crazy, but we got good shots of it. Lincoln was tired and feeling sick, which was interesting. But when we did that video, I remember like saying to the guy off camera and I was like, why are you letting us in here? Because this is something that a lot of people, I mean, obviously it was just like in the middle of a city, nobody knew that thing was there. And once we go there, we could tell people like, Hey, the most valuable car in the world was right. in there. It's like a yeah. hundred and something million. Yeah. And then they, I said, are you guys moving this soon? And they just kind of smiled and they said to me, yeah, we're actually moving. We're actually moving this in two weeks. All of it to a new location. That's the only reason why we're okay with you okay. coming here. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't even think I knew that. You didn't know that. I don't okay. think I knew that. No. Yeah. So they totally were moving it. And I don't know. I thought that was that was interesting that they let us be the yeah. only people to go in there ever. And we're just all of a sudden we're in this crazy world. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it was it was kind of a whirlwind. We fly. We went from Salt Lake to Paris, and then from Paris to Stuttgart, Germany. Mm -hmm. And it was an overnight flight, um, so there might have been a little sleep on the flight. I, I didn't really sleep too well. Did they give us first class on that? They did give us first That's class. That's right. So yeah. a lot of people don't know. Like we don't, 
like Mercedes does a good job at like hooking us up with travel when we go places. And a lot of times like when I went to Japan, first class lay down seats. So that yeah. helps a little bit. But yeah, we landed and I just remember it was, it was snowing outside and it was just, okay, we're going straight to the vault. And it was just like, okay, let's do it. And you know, your mind's a little foggy, but then you get into this, these different vaults that they have. And it's like, you're just like wide eyed and it's like, wow. And some of the cars that are in there were just, let alone, like, I'm not even really a car guy as yeah. far as, like, knowing what's what. But you just got to be blown away. And that like, video was really fun. Like the Gullwing doors. <clears throat> There's a first car with Gullwing doors, and they only made two of them. And so that car is, like, pretty much priceless. But I think they said it was, like, $150 million, most expensive car in the world. I'm like, <laughs> when I go to these places, I feel like unworthy of being there like the top people from mercedes showing us a place that mm -hmm. people that decorate their house in mercedes-benz stuff it's their entire life they have every their whole life is about mercedes they study it everything go to museums all the time and then we are the ones that get to go <laughs> into this place that's like it's basically like a temple the most sacred place for all mercedes-benz people and I just feel like we're not doing it justice. We're like, that's a cool car. That's a cool car. Who's the driver that drove this? What was the race? Like, I feel bad. We tried to like make the video edited in a way so that people that are diehard fans would, it seems like we knew what we were doing. Like there was an expert there that would tell me stuff. That's right. Yeah. And then I would like butcher what he told me. <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but I don't know. That's kind of the fun with YouTube. Like, and maybe that's. That, that's one of the different things from YouTube versus like working for the jazz or like a big company. Oh yeah. You know, we kind of just go on the fly and just make it up and go do things. Yeah. And that's one, I mean, we're, so working for an NBA team or a sports team is pretty cool. Um, it's from the outside. It's like kind of a dream job, you know, quote unquote. But, um, one of the things that was, was when I first started and still is, that's amazing and really awesome about YouTube and the YouTube space is that freedom you can kind of do whatever you want because you know mm -hmm. working for an nba team is just like working for a, a company a corporation a business and there's a lot of layers there's a lot of you know um approvals that need to be given but when you're running a youtube channel dan's the only one who needs to prove anything <laughs> so as long as dan approves it let's just go let's do it and that's as someone who likes to you know be part of the creative process it's 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 you know it's an alluring thing to to just get like the okay and let's just go so let's talk a little more about YouTube side of it. And then I do want to go into the Utah Jazz, and yeah. like NBA sports world kind of thing. Um, so for what's inside, what are some of the favorite projects you can think of that you've worked on that maybe people don't know that you worked on or yeah. your insights on something behind the scenes? Yeah. Um, well, as far as projects go, I've, I do edit videos from time to time. Um, I'm not our main editor or one of the main two. Maybe I've done quite. Maybe a few. I'm number three, especially on our family channel. You've done quite. I have a few. done. I've done a few. Um, my very first video we, I ever worked on was what's inside um, Lego headquarters, the U.S. headquarters, and um, I, I think I had been working for you for about three weeks or so, and you're like, "Hey, take this, go with it." And it was actually a really fun video to edit. You know, sometimes with anything, you know, you kind of have to like make it and almost manufacture it. But like this was the kind of thing where like it was just like there was so much in there that it was like, easy to edit. So many interesting things inside of the headquarters. It's, so it's just fun. like choosing which ones fit the yeah. storyline and all that. So fun just seeing these things. And um, I remember because we posted it on Christmas Day. Um, I don't remember that. Okay. Which is just cool. a rare little nugget when you think about, you know, if we would have posted it December 27th, I probably wouldn't have remembered, but I remember yeah. we just posted on Christmas day. It performed really well. 
um, has several million views. It might even be a top 10 family channel video. It, probably, it might be like that one did really, really well over yeah. the years. It's just, and the thumbnail is really good too. It's like Lincoln sliding down the giant Lego yeah. that's like on the outside of the building. And what's funny is we were there for, to make an escape room video of like what's inside an escape room on the Lego channel called Rubriculous. And that's so right. they, they paid us to be there. We were the first influencer that they've ever paid to do a, a deal with, which was pretty cool that we were since then they've done so many with so many other YouTubers, but we were kind of the pioneers. But as part of it, I was like, Hey, can we go to the headquarters or like, it's just an office building. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I think it'd be interesting. And it was like hour and a half away from there. I'm like, what if we come in a day early? Can we go over there? And so they gave us like an hour and a half there. That was it. And I just kind of filmed it. And what they didn't, they didn't think was interesting to an outsider was like mm -hmm. super interesting and enough yeah. content. But yeah, I remember giving that to you. I'm like, all right, Matt, let's, t let's do your editing skills. And you've edited like tons of clips for social media for the jazz coming into it. Mm -hmm. You're on the floor, you're on the court, you're behind the scenes, you're in the locker room with these guys after the game a lot of times. But this is like a way different type of edit. Oh, that. yeah. And I mean, just speaking on those lines, you know, when you are cutting stuff up for social media, just like you're talking about, it's like, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, maybe max. And even if you're making something a little bit longer that you might put online somewhere, it's a minute, it's a minute long highlight. So transitioning to, transitioning to the YouTube world where videos are six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 15, 20 minutes, that, that was probably one of the biggest adjustments for editing because I'm used to just like, you're just getting like those key, there's a dunk, there's a dunk, there's a three, there's an assist, there's a block, Kate, there's the video. And this, it's almost like, you really get to let your storytelling out, mm -hmm. like let it loose, so to speak. Like, so yeah, there's things you're cutting out and things that you can't maybe fit if you're trying to, cause you know, every video can't be an hour long. So you got, you know, you got to cut yeah. it down. So that was a little bit tricky at first, but I kind of liked, I liked it cause you get more of that freedom to, to show a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with YouTube. It's like, there's there it, with the creative process. Like, yes, I film stuff and I have an idea of like what the storyline would be like, but really a lot of the magic of YouTube, but not saying that YouTube videos are fake by any means, but it's like the storytelling. It, if you're a good storyteller in the edit, you can really make a video shine or it could just be terrible. Yeah. And so that's definitely something that's learned. Like I remember when you did it, I'm like, okay, this part feels like a little long that we've been talking How about insert like little montage. Can you grab some clips of the different Lego guys at different statues and stuff and just throw it in here for like, I don't know, five seconds or something yeah. just to, it's a natural transition when we said that, like, there's just all these little things. Totally. And it is a very collaborative. Um, I'm, I can't really speak to like other YouTubers. You probably could. Maybe they just give their editors or someone, here's the footage, film, make it. Dan's very, he's, he's as involved as you could, can be like, which I think is a great thing. Like I want your sign off, right? I want Dan to, to approve and I want Dan to like, like it. Yeah. So it, it's nice that it's just like, there's just, there's no layers. It's just like one-to-one -one communication. And yeah, like the notes for, so people don't know, you know, Dan will go and film a video um, on location a lot of time, but sometimes they're here in the studio and then, you know, he'll, he'll send it to me or one of the other editors, Jason, who's probably the main editor, who's amazing. Um, and then we just kind of run with it and see what comes, comes out of us. And then mm -hmm. it's collaborative from there where Dan, you know, gives notes and says exactly that, Hey, this two minutes is maybe a little stale. Let's add some montages or some music here and there. So it's, it's really just like this, almost like piece of art that 
has a few different hands and we're all kind of like making it and it's it's fun to do yeah i think if i think of some of my other youtube friends one of the differences is um there's a lot of them that they actually have like a script or they have a storyline and a flow and they'll like write everything out and be like here's this go put it together and obviously that would be nice for the editor to be like instead of just getting a bunch of raw footage that you've got to watch through because you weren't there for the day and then figure out the storyline and then create it from the stuff that you have where maybe even when I'm filming, I have an idea of what I'm thinking for the storyline. You got to kind of figure that out. But, but it, I also like, I like people that are creative. And that's one thing that I like about you is that you are a storyteller. I think that's a big reason why you love movies. You love to read books yeah. and you love like TV shows that are like the classics because in your mind, you are a storyteller and you like to get it down right. So you've got to have that creativity. Jason does a really good job at, um, he's watched YouTube for years. And he's, he's such a fan of YouTube humor. Mm -hmm. And so he works in things. And sometimes it's a little more than what I think for our audience. I'm like, that's really funny. But I don't think a lot of people are going <laughs> to get it. Let's take that part out. Uh -huh. But for you, you do a really good job at like creating a storyline and being really thoughtful about where everything goes. So the yeah, the Lego one was a great one. Yeah, that was fun. And, and, you know, later on, you guys went to Denmark and did the Lego house. And it was another Lego uh, video that I, I edited. Oh, did you edit that one too? I did. Okay. Oh, well, I yeah. didn't do the Lego house, but yeah. I did the Lego secret vault. The secret vault, yeah. And that one was fun because, you know, they had a Lego. It was almost like the Mercedes in a way where they had they have a, a set of every Lego set ever inside of this underground vault. They've led us into there. They kept not wanting us to do it. It was really weird. Lego got a little weird on that one because... I think they got a little territorial, like they wanted some some content for their own YouTube channel, but they'd already done that before, but I guess they wanted to do it again okay. or something, and they didn't want us to take over that one, but, um, and and with the previous one, when I was like, when we went to do the, 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 the room, whatever it's called, the rubriculous room, the escape room, yeah, the video that really did well was the one that they had nothing to do with, like the actual rubriculous team, and this one, we're going with rubriculous, and I'm like, that's the one I want to do, and I think they probably felt like, Oh, great. He's going to take the better content and make like the better video. So they only gave us like 10 minutes in there. It was oh. bad. Like it was really, really short. Like I don't, when I say it's bad, like timing wise for filming a video, it wasn't ideal, but it was nice of them to still to let us in there. But we could have had a little bit more time and had like the expert was in there for like two minutes. And then he's like, yeah. I've got to run somewhere else. I got to go. And I'm off. like, okay, we're in this Lego room. <laughs> I have no idea. I like, I like Legos. They're, they're cool, but right. I don't know why this one is valuable. Why? And so you might be panning and somebody's watching the video and like, why didn't you talk about that one? That one's worth $2 million <laughs> for that one set, you know? So that was an interesting one. Yeah. There wasn't much footage, but you did a really good job of like turning it into a fun yeah, video. Yeah, well, thank you. And that was one of those, just like the other Lego video where there's everything that you did film was really interesting. So yeah. it kind of was helpful and easy to edit. Um, one area that is interesting because I don't edit a lot of the videos, but I, I definitely watch all the videos and I go through yeah. them. And one area that I do is a lot of, the, a lot of the thumbnails. We, we collaborate. It's the same kind of process as editing a video. Dan and I will, you know, workshop, four, five, six, seven, how, how do you think this looks? How does this look? And then we kind of just work on it. And um, also, you know, the editing, or excuse me, the posting of the video. So it's funny um, visiting Dan in his house here. I'm so familiar with every single video that we <laughs> post, whether they're Tesla videos or they're home videos or or whatever it is that like, um, I don't know. It's almost like 
it's almost like I was there. And I think I bet a lot of your viewers think the same thing because they watch yeah. every single video and they kind of just know they could pick out, they could see, Oh, I remember when that Gucci bomb was in a video. And, oh, I remember <laughs> that. So it is kind of an interesting, uh, just kind of fun job to have in terms of that stuff too. So what, since you came from a different side of world, but super interesting, creative digital side of things with a big corporation in a way that jazz, mm-hmm. um, coming over to YouTube, now that you've been here for a few years, um, what are some tips for people that um, maybe either want to get into YouTube or tips to editing or thumbnails? Like, what are some things that you've learned that you think somebody that's like newer to YouTube could take away? Yeah. Well, I think kind of one broad piece of advice is not being afraid to fail. And I know that's kind of like a textbook, like let's put it on a poster, you know, like <laughs> yeah. look at it in the morning. But it's so true, you know. Um, don't be afraid to, to mess up because I, you know, at, probably at first I'd edit a video for you and you'd be like, uh, maybe just maybe in, in your polite way, like maybe just change that. And then it, it kind of, as you go, you know, it's just like that old adage of like, the more you do, the better you get at it. So whether they're filming videos, editing videos, editing thumbnails, whatever it is, just, just do and put your work out there. You know, if, if you're aspiring editor and you want to edit YouTube videos, I think the best advice is, well, practice filming videos, practice editing them, you know, putting them out to the world because that's how you're going to be seen. You know, if, if Dan's looking for an editor or any YouTuber and he, a video of yours or anyone's catches Dan's eye, well, that's how Dan's going to be like, wow, I, I really like this. I want to know who this person is and maybe I'll give them a shot. So not being afraid to to fail, I think, um, is a lesson that I, I probably learned a long time ago because I mess up a lot, you know, and that's how you learn. And that's how I think I've probably gotten to where I've gotten. That's really good feedback. Cause I, and I remember before I gave him, before I gave him like the first Lego video and I'm like, you're going to edit this. I, I prefaced it big time. I put the biggest <laughs> disclaimer on it. I'm like, Matt, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to have like a hundred notes. You're not doing it wrong. <laughs> Just know you're coming from a different world. You've never edited a YouTube video. When Matt was hired, he had never subscribed to one Not channel. One. He'd never watched one of our videos or anybody else's. Yeah, so I, I think I gave so many disclaimers. And I'm like, I'm going to have it. It's going to go back and forth. And then you're like, hey, I'm going to give you the first cut. Can I give you the first cut of the video? Because the Lego one. And I'm like, ah, do it the best you can before you send it to me. Don't just like send it to me. And you're like... No, I just kind of want to get your idea if I'm going the right flow. And at that point, you had no music on the background, right. no transition stuff. It was just like, it almost felt like you took the raw footage it and just like chopped the it bare a little bones bit. Of just the, I was yeah. like, oh no, like, do I, <laughs> do I continue letting Matt, like, is this going to be a, a harder task to teach Matt how to edit YouTube videos or should I let him, or, or like for me to put in the work and effort, is it worth it or not? And I'm like, no, no, let's teach him that side of it. And then sure enough, it was like your first cut. By the time that video is done, it was great. And then there's been, I, can, I wish I could remember off the top of my head, there's been a bunch of videos that you've done that I've, I'm like, no changes, fantastic. And then we just like go live with it right, right yeah. then and it does awesome. So, um, but yeah, I think that not being afraid to fail or to get feedback, like, right? Be okay, don't be offended. Yeah. Never, don't, don't be offended when someone's trying to help you. Yeah. Especially when you're working with somebody else on their own video, because like you said, I'm heavily involved. Like in a way, like it is our brand that every video we oh, put out. Sure whether it doesn't matter if it's me that edits it or somebody else to the viewer, it's just like, this is the viewer on your channel. It's either yep. your channel is dying. It's dead. It's really gone downhill or this is the greatest video ever. And so mm-hmm. I'm always just like trying to do that. But man, my life has gotten so much easier since 
we've hired people that are awesome that can like take a load off of my plate and let me be more creative. It is so refreshing to finish a video. I like, I honestly do love editing videos. Like if I had to go edit a video tonight, Dan's a really good editor. Oh, you're nice. Like if there was one that I wanted that I was going to edit tonight, I would, I would start it and I wouldn't sleep. I would stay up all night, edit the whole thing. And I love it. All these little moments that people don't realize like one little funny thing or one little cool moment. Like that's, that's the moments that I live for. And a lot of people don't realize it, but I want to be able to watch these videos back like 20 years from now and just laugh. And it's weird. I feel like I've been a YouTuber long enough now to where Leslie and I went back the other day and we started watching videos from like four years ago and I didn't remember the videos and I was so entertained by them. I'm like, this is what I would always was saying. Like as much as other people like the video or not, I want to put the best video out there to the world so that it's like my online journal. (laughs) Totally. And I mean, you see like with your kids probably because they're getting so big and so, you know, old, it's like, yeah, like this is like a living journal kind of for you and your family. And I think that's really cool. It's cool to be a part of too, to even help in any way. So I, um, I just remembered, I have something really interesting that I want to show Matt. Um, hold on a second. So this is, you know, how they do the YouTube gold play buttons and they give you yeah. like a letter. They made a gold letter, which is cool. And it shows like the whole letter. And yeah. So anyway, we've got this letter and then we also had him send us this. And I thought, you know what, for all the hard work that Matt has done, I'm going to give him his own. YouTube gold play button What to take home, do whatever you want with it, put <laughs> awesome. on your wall, throw it in the garage or whatever. Yes. But this is awesome. Our dude. family channel, like wouldn't have been where it was without oh, the hard work you. that you've done over the years You're, and I really helping it grow this. to a million. So that's yours. Dang. I got it for you. And look at this. Did you see that thing? Who was, it was inspected by Rick even. Rick. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that many people have gold play buttons. So I'm like, the other day I was like, I've got to do this. So anyway, that's why I went thank to Arizona. You. I gave one to Hunter oh, and like Steven and, and surprised them. And Matt is flying here, or Jason's flying here on Wednesday, and I'm going to give him one. So that's great. All four of you guys have your own gold play yes. buttons. Thank which you. Which is kind of cool because usually it's only YouTubers, but yeah. you're like a part of it. You help so much with this channel growing. So that's funny you don't remember Rick. Well, I do. You'll have to watch that. I, video I might remember. I remember there was a couple guys. It became like a joke. It was like, wait, this is inspected by Rick? I'm like, which one <laughs> yeah. is Rick? And he's like, I'm Rick. That's I'm right. Like, I oh, do hi, remember Rick. That. And so then all these other YouTubers, whenever they get their awards, That's they're awesome. like, mine was inspected by Rick also. <laughs> and then I found, followed up with Society Awards. They're the ones that make these for YouTube. And and I guess Rick is like an all-star Rick's now. The like guy? He got a promotion. And That's hilarious. Everybody talks about him just from that video. <laughs> inspected so by Rick. The camera can see oh, and I guess not, I got to but... remember we're on a podcast. So basically, <laughs> I just gave Matt a YouTube gold play button and a letter that used to be paper and now they've turned it into gold. And then they always put a little card in there to say who was inspected by. And it says, awesome. this has been inspected by Rick. So I keep forgetting about the podcast. Side of it. <laughs> I Sorry know. about you guys that are listening. We do have a video version of this. It's on YouTube, I would imagine. Yep. Um, to be honest with you guys that are listening to this and watching this, we haven't published any of our podcasts yet. So I'm not sure how many in we even are based off of where mm-hmm. you're listening. But um, yeah, YouTube Gold Awards. It, for those of you that don't know, um, you a lot of corporations are YouTube channels. And so YouTube has this option to where they give you one free award. And then on top of that, if you're somebody that <clears throat> has other employees that deserve to have the award or you want to have them like, say you have like five offices like Vice Media or 
I don't know, NBC or something, and they want to have gold play buttons in different areas to highlight in their trophy cases, YouTube gives them the opportunity to buy them. So you have to, you can buy the oh, extra gotcha. awards for your employees. And so that's why I was like, I should get some rewards. Cause I don't see a lot of like actual YouTube creators that aren't big mega corporations that buy them and give them to their employees, or at least it's not known. Yeah. Maybe after doing this for the podcast and doing it on YouTube, <laughs> um, people will, people, other YouTubers will, maybe I'm starting a trend right now, yeah. which good trend to start because like even somebody like Logan Paul, um, controversial guy, but he has been super successful and he's really smart and business savvy, but his editor is incredible. He has his own YouTube channel now where he talks about YouTube editing and he kills it. And he's, and so he's a huge part of it. He should have a Logan Paul diamond award for 10 million and he should have a gold. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you. That's awesome. I mean, it's, if you don't already know, like everybody watching, this is a great place to work. It's a great team to be on. So Hunter is like, I'm so excited because now I can put it behind my desk. And then when I'm on zoom calls, people can see it. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. I like that. Pretty I'm going to steal funny. that one. Uh, that's pretty good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for all your hard work on that. That yeah. was the main reason why I flew you down there to oh. do this. I'm like, well, I'll work the podcast. Too. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. So after this, all right, let's transition to some stuff. Kay. I want to talk about NBA and basketball. Kay, um, one thing that some, I don't, I don't know how you do it with the podcast with the link, but you do have your own podcast. Yeah. That you do basketball, mm-hmm. Utah jazz talk. What's yeah. it called? Jazzed. Jazzed. Like I'm jazzed. Cool yeah. So I'm jazzed the, about the jazz. The jazzed podcast. Yeah. You've had some really cool guests on there. Um, yeah. Um, we do a lot of kind of just, we do some fans, we do some local media who cover the jazz. I've had some former players, um, I've had the jazz bear who, you know, for jazz fans anyway, the, he was the bear for, you know, 30 years and it's interesting to talk to him and hear his stories. But yeah, it's, it's been really fun to do. It's, it's on a kind of a little bit of a hiatus um, right now, but it's, it's time to get back into it. The I jazz know. are killing it. Number I, one in the league. I really enjoy just, you know, talking basketball and Dan's yeah. known me for years. It's kind of like, it's almost like this second nature thing where I don't even have to think about it. And I don't know, it's like my number one passion. So so tell, walk me through getting your job for the jazz because yeah. I it it's not easy to get some of these jobs with no. people that are passionate about the organization. What did you have to do to get this job? And it and it wasn't easy. So from the very beginning, um, there's there's a interactive team that goes to the upper bowl of the jazz. Any 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 anybody who's been to an arena, you know, the upper bowl. And at the jazz games, they call them the Cypress crew. That's just, they're sponsored by Cypress credit union. You don't really need to know, but anyway, they are, they hire and there's usually about 20 people per season. And I went in for an interview for the interactive team and I go in there and then the guy who's interviewing me says, Oh, sorry, we've already filled all those positions. This is an interview to be like a, a a waiter or like someone who like takes plates away during dinner down at like the low, like the club, you know, and I was just like, oh, so I kind of just probably politely just finished the interview and then just, but I, I told myself, okay, when is it, what is it right now? September. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till next year and I'm going to find, I'm going to wait until that job gets posted again and I'm going to make sure I know so I can get it. So I waited an entire year. Finally, the interactive team gets a job posting for it and I make sure to apply. And this time I get it right. You know, long 
I go through all the whole process. I get that job, which was great. Um, I'm in the upper bowl throwing, you know, little stuffed balls and things <laughs> into the crowd, t-shirts, go, which was really a funny job to have. I never knew how angry people would get because you go and you, I have like two little mini jazz stuffed balls <laughs> and I'm supposed to throw one to that, like 400 people and to that 400 people. <laughs> <laughs> and then the amount of like just anger that you get from like grown men just being like, hey, throw you suck. You know, just kind of, <laughs> you you're, just, you're just kind of like, oh, give me sorry, that 50 you know, cent plastic thumbs ball. up. And anyway, I did that for a season and I knew I didn't want, I needed to stick around, but I couldn't just be an interactive guy forever. So I, I was able to make the right kind of relationships where I more or less begged for an internship. Now my first internship with the jazz, I'm sorry, this podcast is going to go really long with this story because it's, oh, this it, was, it was such this a process. Great. This is so interesting. And maybe this goes to like my thing of not being afraid to fail. Cause I really was just going after it. I didn't care. So I got, I got an internship, which was the biggest deal to me, which is a it called game operations. So kind of the similar type of thing to the interactive team, but now I'm down on the court level in the tunnel and the game operations are the people who are in charge of all the entertainment, the halftime, the timeouts, all the games during timeouts, the dancers, the the bear, the mascot. And they kind of just put on all the entertainment that's not the game. And so we're down there with like the headset and all the stuff, you know, the stuff on your belt. And and you kind of feel like you've made it, right? It's like, wow, you get to be down here. And the court, there's the players right there. Yes. I can't believe it. And I did that for two seasons. I was able to come back for another season. And then, you know, life starts coming up and you need to actually need a job. And I transitioned from that internship into a, what's called fan relations with the jazz. And all that basically means is they're the people, the department who take care of season ticket holders. So if Dan buys season tickets, and I'm sure every team, every sports professional college has this department. Dan buys season tickets. He has a fan relations rep who makes sure to take care of his needs, whether that's, hey, I, I need extra tickets or, hey, I need... Um, such and such, or my seat's broken, or someone spilled. Just people's seats actually break? Yeah, and, and back, <laughs> it's been renovated now, but you remember the green seats in the yeah, arena have been there yeah. for like 30 years, and yeah. sometimes, I don't know, they get jumped on or whatever. So anyway, I did that job, which was technically like sales. Um, I did that for a season, a really difficult season, because it was the lockout, the most recent lockout in like 2011 Whoa. or whatever. Also part of that job is to, to get you, Dan, to convince you to renew your season tickets right they're not cheap so there's the sales part of it and the team's got to be good yeah it's got to be good enough reasons yeah yeah and to me i was you know sometimes if i'm really passionate about something like i can sell you on a movie or whatever but i don't really love selling people on like give me ten thousand bucks for these tickets it's it's a it was a challenging job for me so at the same time around this time another internship came up with the jazz and it was in marketing, and it was, um, at the time, it was called uh, a video archivist, right? Hmm. They wanted someone to just, like, archive video and photos um, because they didn't have one. And so I, I knew the guy who was hiring, and I said, hey, I'm interested in this. And he looked at me like crazy, like, you're, you're going to leave a full-time job, you know, benefits to be an intern again. And oh. I said, where did they keep all their footage and stuff? They didn't, well, okay, I guess I can get to that. They didn't really have it. It was it was kind of, so it was the marketing department, which was like the digital department internally. And it was around 2011, 2012. So think about Instagram didn't exist. Um, Facebook 
was kind of still the king, but it wasn't what we know now. Twitter wasn't really anything. Like these social media channels didn't, weren't even anything. Yeah. So they didn't really have a good way to have, like, so the only thing they really had was photos. And they were the same kind of photos that you might get on like Getty images that a lot of teams yeah. have access to. Anyway, I'm probably getting off way off topic here. So I get, I go after and I get this internship. I leave my full-time job, become an intern again. Luckily, I have my wife, who's amazing, who is supporting <laughs> She's me, working. supporting so you're us. This time. I'm it's married. Not even like college kid oh, gets no. an internship. I'm for married. Free. I was married. <laughs> and you know, is it like a ten dollar an hour? Um, luckily, the jazz paid because a lot of internships are unpaid. At yeah. least they were. And I did this internship for another year and a half, which was okay because I knew I just knew that it was going to be turned into something. And what this internship was, it started out as like archive photos and videos, but it quickly, probably within two weeks, turned into, we need someone to make content for us. We need someone to go to practice and interview players. We Ooh. need someone to stay and do post-game interviews. We need someone to go to a charity event and make sure that we're there. And, and, and if anybody remembers... You had a degree in communications at this point, right? So I had a degree in, in journalism. Journalism, mm-hmm. okay. And if anybody remembers flip video cameras, did you ever have a flip camera? Yeah. So they're the kind of thing, they called them flip because they're just like a little USB thing then you could just plug it right into your computer. That's what we filmed all of our stuff on. So I go to practice with this little flip camera and you kind of feel like out of place because you have these giant TV cameras like all surrounding (laughs) you and I'm just like standing there. It almost looks like I'm like someone's like, take your kid to work day. That's what I feel like when I'm with Mercedes Benz (laughs) and there's all these red cameras, super professional production. And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm here. I got my Joby tripod and I'm the YouTuber. I'm just this dummy. That's going to say how cool the car is. And they're like, who is that guy over there? And then it turns out our video gets like way more. Little do they know that you're the most important camera there. (laughs) So yeah, but it was, I was, I was also lucky because it was right around the time, like I mentioned, all these social channels started becoming something. And so what started as an internship evolved over the course of several years into now I'm in charge of all of our social channels. I'm in charge of our, our website content. I'm in charge of really anything, any content that you would see digitally anywhere. And it was a really fun, demanding job. Um, fun because I love the NBA. You're still an intern throughout. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, it did it did evolve. Okay, it did turn into a over time. Job. I became the the director of it all, and I you had it. people under me, okay. and I had my own interns, which is, um, I guess, fun in its own way, but also stressful. But um, the way that I kind of hooked up with Dan after that is, I was looking into influencer stuff. If you remember, I had Dan come in, like we chatted. Hey, maybe we should do something with what's inside. Have what's inside? See what's inside the new arena. We're remodeling. Perfect. It. I'm like that sounds pretty good. And then I was like, yeah, we could go do this and this and this and that. And you're like. Yeah, I don't, I, I have to talk to lots of people and I don't know if they're <laughs> going to say yes. And I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, let's just go do it. And you're just like, I really want to, but I, let me run it up the chain. And mm-hmm. and then I think that's where the, the idea. Yeah. Died. It, and it and like I mentioned. Disappeared in corporate America. Like that happens. That happens a lot. And it was around the same time where Dan kind of started thinking, hey, why don't you just work for me? Because I, I honestly felt bad. I was like, Matt has great ideas. He's already asking, like, what other YouTubers are big? How would this help and he, work? And he's, like, working into this world. And then and then you're just kind of hitting the ceiling. And I'm like, oh, man, what would this guy do with his own ideas when he's out free to do whatever? Over here, we have an idea. Like, go for, go with it. Yeah. <laughs> if you think it'll help what's inside, go for it. Yeah. So, okay, so that I want to backtrack a little bit to you are working for the Jazz they start getting on social media. They start getting on Twitter and different things. Mm. 
Tell me how the hashtag take note happened. Because that is, if you don't know, like on Twitter, <laughs> if you're, if you're Utah jazz, it's the, it's like a note on the front of their Jersey. And originally the Utah jazz were the like new Orleans jazz. And then Utah, some of Utah bottom, they came over, they kept the jazz name. Utah does not have jazz music. It's the dumbest name for Utah, <laughs> but it's stuck. It is the jazz. And so, um, but there's that note on there and on mm-hmm. social media a few years ago, all of a sudden it was like, people would do hashtag take note and it just made so much sense. It was like, yeah. that's the jazz. It's like, you're taking note of something, take note of us. We're good. Pay attention to us, LeBron James. We actually do play good basketball here. And uh, yeah, it's like, it was a smart one. So, so yeah, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, that was a really serendipitous um, thing for a couple of reasons. So it started off, the NBA said, um, they call them hash flags. So a lot of times if you hashtag something on Twitter, there'll be like a little emoji attached to it, right? Right, right. And it was the first year that they were, the NBA and Twitter had an agreement where they were giving all, all 30 teams, you pick your hashtag. Now, they wouldn't just give us anything. So a lot of teams were just saying, for example, hashtag Celtics, you know, hashtag Bulls. They were just putting their team name out there. Easy, lazy, but easy. Easy and lazy. <laughs> but we wanted to do something different. So the serendipitous thing was the very first thing we were going to go with. And I've told this story before, but I don't know if a lot of people know it. I don't, I don't, I don't even, I know part, I don't really know all of it. And so, so if the, I'm pretty close to you and I don't know the story, <laughs> then I think that a lot of people don't. The first hashtag we were going to go with, um, was noteworthy. It was going to be hashtag noteworthy. Okay. And you know, it's, it's not just my decision. You know, we got input from other people. I ran it by my boss. He says, okay. And the, the reason was, is we would, at the time we were only going to use it when, there was something that was noteworthy. So a win or a dunk, or it was like, Hey, oh, this was noteworthy. Okay. I see so that it makes in. sense. But then the serendipitous thing is Twitter came back and said, sorry, that, that, that word, that phrase is too generic. You, we can't just gift it to the Utah jazz noteworthy. Right. <laughs> so we had to go back to the drawing board. So it was almost like the thing that oh, like, there was like somebody looking out for us. Well, at the time I told my boss and we were, he just said, just go with Utah jazz. Um, cause that's what a lot of teams, cause it was new. Half the teams were just going with their team name. And right. I just thought, no, <laughs> like it's so boring to me. And I asked him, I said, what about take note? What do you think about that? And it honestly had been a phrase that, you know, people had said, it's not like I came up with the phrase on my own. And he's like, do you like that? And I've like, heard people just say, take note of the jazz. Or take yeah. Note. Over, yeah. over the course of, you know, 10 years that you work there and he says, go with it. Let's go with it. He says, that sounds great. And and he was a great boss, um, Nate Randall, shout out to him. And so what at first noteworthy was this whole room full of people. We all agreed. And then take note, just kind of like, I just thought of it. My boss said, go with it. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like, I need to was know it, now. It was a little scary too, because you're like, oh, I just well, said that. And he said yes to it, but it okay. was, but it wasn't because to be honest, big companies or whatnot, like they don't know how serious to take social media. Mm-hmm. So to some companies in the jazz at the time, they were just kind of like, oh yeah, that's whatever you want to do. Cute. That's cute. Twitter, like cute. no one, it doesn't matter. Kind of was the attitude, like whatever you, doesn't matter. Um, so it wasn't necessarily scary. I thought it would be really cool when we first saw it, but yeah, like it took off and you, and I think about a month into the season, it was on like sports center, Scott Van Pelt, like who does his sports center at night was like highlighted it and said, this is the best, this is the best hashtag um, I've seen, it makes perfect sense because of, you know, it's, it's a, it's, awesome. it's a statement. It's like, you need to pay attention to us. Like you better pay attention. 
you're like, I'm putting that on a plaque on the wall next to my <laughs> 1 million subscriber button. <laughs> so yeah, that was just a, a cool thing that just kind of fell together um, at the right time. But I guess we got lucky with it. That's cool. I mean, it's funny that a hashtag, it's like, what did you do at your job? You're like, well, on your <laughs> resume, I created the take note hashtag. That's, that's actually a really cool bullet point for any job. It's like, I thought outside of the box might've had a little bit of pushback. I don't know. This isn't at the same level as Nike and like just do it and the Nike swoosh. But the story is interesting to where I feel like whenever there's something that is really, that's really going to be big or good, there's always, it seems like there's a lot of pushback. And if you read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, he talks about how he himself didn't like the Nike logo. He didn't like like the just do it or whatever. Like there's, oh, he didn't like the name Nike. He didn't like it at all. He wanted like black swan something i was some weird name but they were on a deadline and everybody else around them is like we need this and then now look at them how big they are and so it's good that and and i think of like tinker hatfield with nike creating the air bubble for air air nike air like actually having the air bubble he almost got fired for it but he's like i think this will be really cool and then all of a sudden it becomes huge so i don't know it's a hashtag but that's awesome not being afraid to fail yeah don't yeah. be afraid to fail. Go with what you are passionate about and you think is going to work. Yeah. So that's that's a really cool story. That's that's great. Yeah. So Utah Jazz, um, what's your favorite moment and your least favorite moment working for the Jazz? Oh, I don't know if we can get into the least favorite. <laughs> uh, favorite, um, it's probably a couple, a couple different like buckets. I don't know. It was it was just a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. Um. I got to be at a lot of games, which is cool, but also it can be very stressful and tiring when you go to 10 straight years of games. But one of my favorite games we ever went to was game one of the 2017 playoffs. Is that the Clippers? Against the Clippers. I was in LA um, for that game, went with the team, and Joe Johnson hits the buzzer beater. So it's a buzzer beater, Joe Johnson. And it was just... So when, when you sit on media row you know, the people who are there yeah. on their computers, you're not allowed to like, it's kind of this code. You don't talk or you can talk, you don't cheer. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you're biased. not a, you're not a fan. But the thing was, is like, I'm a team employee. I don't care. So, <laughs> but yeah. I would, you know, I was more of like the, when the, I would like clap on the table or I would, you know, kind of just like fist pump. And I, I wouldn't, I didn't want to like be like this weirdo that they all hated or whatever. But when Joe Johnson made that basket, I kind of just lost it and I was just like cheering and I grabbed the guy next to me and I was like shaking his arm and I'm like, I can't believe it. And then about like five seconds go by and I realize, Oh, I need to tweet. I, you know, like, cause I'm the person who <laughs> I need to say jazz win, jazz win or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever I said. So five seconds after being just in pure Nirvana or whatever you want to say in was, the other play, person's arena. Yeah. So nobody else is cheering probably, nobody. And especially on media row. Yeah. And you're losing your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I did all that. So that was just a really fun um, experience. Buzzer beaters are always awesome. Um, you know, jazz fans will you know know Sunday out of Gaines. Um, there was a story back in two thousand and might have been two thousand nine, might have been two thousand eight. Sorry, I'm I'm really old. <laughs> and the Cavs were in town, LeBron and the Cavs, and you know LeBron's LeBron. And there was this guy who just got called up from the D League, and it was still the D League at the time. Now it's the G League. Sunday out of Gaines. And he came in and he made a game-winning buzzer beater three to win the game at the buzzer. 
against LeBron and the Cavs, and the arena just went nuts. The team goes nuts. They're all running out. They're all high-fiving. And being right there on the court, this is when I was actually in the tunnel for the, the, the game ops internship, and being there was just like you almost feel like you're like floating you know, you've, you've yeah. been around those situations and that was really uh, a cool to be at, you know, being at the draft when guys like Donovan are drafted. Um, so were you there when Donovan, Donovan Mitchell got drafted? Yeah. And so I would go to the draft, you know, as our, from our digital social team and we would cover it and, and it was, it was kind of a gamble because maybe the jazz are going to draft someone who we is not there at the draft. Because the whole point of us being there is so that as soon as we draft a guy, oh, yeah. we start following him around and getting content. I remember when Rudy Gobert got drafted, and I think it was it Trey Burke that got drafted also. Yeah. And I feel like all of the attention was on Trey Burke. I happened oh, yeah. to be in the airport, and I saw like them walking, and I looked at Rudy Gobert, and I was like, <laughs> "That guy's got to be good at some point." But the attention really wasn't on him. Now I don't even know where Trey Burke is. Trey's Rudy on... Gobert is like all-star defensive player of the year. The man. Yeah. It is funny how that works out. Cause you're right. Trey was, um, he was at Michigan and Michigan went to the final four yeah. game winning shots in the in March Madness tournament. I think he was a player of the year in college basketball. The jazz needed a point guard. Trey Great was like fit. our savior. And yeah, Rudy was kind of like this second round. He was end of the first round, oh, he was. Okay, but he was like this afterthought, like project, like this giant French guy. And no one even knew who he was. Like the thing about him, he was really famous because he had the longest wingspan ever at the combine. Like Whoa. no one had a longer wingspan ever. Jeez. So it was like notable, right? But yeah. Um, Where is Trey Burke now? He's on the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, so he's still in the league. That's good. He got out of the league for a little bit. Okay. But he's he's still in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm jumping around place to place. We won't Let's talk about it. your least favorite at this point, but I do have a question around something around there. But okay, so Rudy Gobert when he first comes into the jazz, you've told me a little bit before about him. You just said he was unpolished. Like how does he go from unpolished to being the all-star that he is now? That dude works. And it's funny that so much of like athleticism or being good at sports when you're in high school or just think about being a kid is because you're just the best and you don't necessarily have to work for it. Like you're just naturally better than everybody. Maybe you're bigger than everybody. And a lot of times guys get to the NBA and they flame out. Like you'll hear all this hype. Oh, this guy's the number three pick or this guy's the number four pick, but they don't have this work ethic. And suddenly this guy who was supposed to be the next LeBron is gone in six months. And a big part of that is because they don't either know how or don't want to work. They don't want to stay in practice. They don't want to work on their free throws. Yeah. And Rudy, that guy, he's he's like the classic, like first guy there, last guy to leave. Wow. I remember because... When he first came in the league, he, even though his hands are like gigantic, they're like double my hands, he couldn't catch the ball. Like he just like, he just like would fumble it a lot. And he just like guys would hit that out of his hands real easily. So the jazz coaching staff and credit to them, they would work on his hands a lot and they would do things like they'd have him like balance on one foot and like, um, get those like football, like, uh, those, those machines that like the jug machines. Yeah. That like fling footballs at you, tennis balls, and they make him like grab them and, and anyway, they just worked on just like little things that you might not think about when you're thinking about a basketball player is, you know, like yeah, hand-eye coordination. coordination. Yeah. And and Rudy really puts in work, and I think that's like a credit to him. Plus, he has this huge chip on his shoulder where 
he was drafted 27th. That's why he's number 27. He He's oh, always, okay. always been just, even to, to this day, he's a two-time defensive player of the year, two-time all-star, and he still gets so much crap that he's not good enough. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't belong. Well, and Joel, it fuels Joel, him. No, Ben Simmons, right? He's the better defensive player, right? That's what he said. According to Ben lately. Simmons, yeah. <laughs> it just fires And him. it just fuels Rudy. And You, you know, didn't even get picked in the all-star in the all-star draft, LeBron or KD didn't even pick him. He guy. went as default to LeBron's team. Yeah. Not even picked. Not even picked. Like, I, I, yeah. It just, it's just little, I mean, and you know, some people out there just might be like, well, that doesn't matter, but it matters to guys like Rudy. And I bet it matters. You don't want to be the last pick at anything. Think about being a fifth grade. You don't want to be the last pick. Right. I mean, it's a shot to your ego. So yeah, he's there. He's one of the 24 best players in the world as an all-star, but, it adds the chip on his shoulder and it fuels him. And instead of walking away from it going, I have all this money, my life is comfortable, mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy that says, I'm going to go work out in the gym longer, I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah, which as a fan, that's that's exactly almost literally what you want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. So Donovan Mitchell, when he came out, a lot of people told him not to come out of, out yet, that he wasn't ready for the NBA. Mm-hmm. And th- I saw an interesting thing on Reddit the other day where it was saying that the jazz vice president or whatever, Dennis Lindsay, after his workout, he he made everybody be sworn to secrecy that they wouldn't share how good Donovan Mitchell's workout really was. Because I think they only had like the 20th pick or 23rd pick, something like that. What happened? You were working for the jazz during this time. Yeah. When did you know Donovan was going to be good? And what was going on behind the scenes here with this? Well, yeah. So the story is, because that year the jazz had, I think, the 24th pick. Okay. To jump ahead, they eventually traded the 24th pick and a player named Trey Lyles for the 13th pick, which ended up being Donovan. So that's a little ahead of the story. So what happened is, you know, players come in, they work out for teams. It's almost like a job interview. And I had actually, I've been in, I've watched a lot of those workouts um, for my job and, and whatnot. And I always interview the guys after. And then I wasn't, you know, the Donovan one was almost, I think it was because it was a Saturday that it was just kind of this closed, like they're just doing it. And he surprised all of the jazz and jazz management. He looked so good. He looked so polished, so athletic that the story is Dennis Lindsay, who is the jazz general manager, told his entire staff, right? Not one word of how good he looks gets leaked out or you're fired. And I remember asking, because I was there to interview him after, like, how do you look? How do you look? And he, he got this like, almost boxed answer of, oh, it was good. It was a good workout. Like no one wanted to expound on anything. Like you could just tell, like no one wanted to Did say anything. Did you interview Donovan after that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, but he wouldn't know how good his workout was. I maybe. mean, guys just feel like, you know, all their workouts are good. Yeah. I Imagine. mean, sometimes they're honest and they're like, oh, I didn't shoot well, very well, but it, it, even the immediate part of it's still a job interview. Right. Yeah. And he didn't think much of it. Um, because we just thought, oh, here's a guy we have the 20, 24th pick. It doesn't really matter. Donovan's probably a lottery guy. He's just working out for the jazz. And that was one of the things was why, are, why is Donovan working out here? He's a lottery pick. That makes sense. Right. Jazz moving up. What's going on? Yeah. So, and I remember going to the draft, like the jazz or the NBA invites, you know, probably, I don't know, 15 guys to the draft. Yeah. Um, and then they hold media, um, the, the day before like teams or, or, or media outlets can go and interview them again. And, and but wait, so you went to that in New York that year mm-hmm. in your mind, were you saying we have the 24th pick? Why am I going to this? Yeah. Is, is that, was that a bit of a clue? Like, no, no. They're so moving up. that's a great question, but no, it, it wasn't because 
it was still good content. There's the option, like there's always, there's always times where like Rudy, for example, was the 27th pick. He wasn't invited by the NBA, but he was there on his own. Oh. There's a lot of times guys are still there, even if they're not invited, even second round guys. So we thought as like a content team, we can do this. It's an event that we're, we can go to. So we might as well go because you never know. Mm-hmm. And it was a good thing we were there because suddenly we hear, and you know, even the people who are internally working for the team, we hear from Woj, you know, if, if you're familiar with like NBA Twitter, right. Adrian Wojnarowski is the guy who breaks all news, even if you work for the team. And we see through the ticker, oh, the Jazz are trading up to get Donovan Mitchell. And we start thinking, oh, okay. And it's, again, he was just supposed to be like a good, a good player. Yeah. Um, and then it was the summer league. Uh, a few days later, NBA summer league happens. And then the Jazz host the summer league in Salt Lake. Donovan looks amazing. And one of the things that opened everybody's eyes is they're doing the pregame, like just like layup line. And Donovan starts throwing down just like thunderous, like 360 between the legs dunks. And like the entire crowd is like, whoa, like instantly, (laughs) like we're taking note, right? Like instantly we're like, oh, okay, I'm watching this guy. And then if Jason Tatum, who was the number three pick that year, he was there. The Celtics were at that summer league. And Tatum and... Donovan and even Jalen Brown, who was the number three pick the year before, and Tatum and Brown are both all-stars now. Donovan looks better than all of these guys, and he's going toe-to-toe with Tatum. There was this play where he he stole the ball. like Tatum was driving at him. Donovan took it, and then Tatum kind of got in his face, and then they kind of got in each other's face, but then they walked away, and cool. Donovan just starts clapping, and he starts laughing and yelling, and like the fans are like, I think I'm in love with this guy. <laughs> like His first summer league game, like this is exactly what – we need and it was right around the time that we got our hearts broken with Gordon Hayward and that's a story we don't need to get into but suddenly it was like this Donovan is like this sent from above to us <laughs> and it was like jazz fans couldn't have to been lucky small market town yeah the only way you can get people is drafting them and all of a sudden <laughs> it's kind of we true. got this guy yeah wow and then I've, I feel like it was one of the last things you did when you worked for the Utah Jazz for some reason I remember, and maybe I'm wrong on this, like you went to his apartment and interviewed him. Was it you or is that just a piece of content I saw? So I remember seeing he had like the Xbox, the PlayStation. He had like Utah or BYU had a Utah hat and he talked about stuff and he was just like so, so chill and so good at being like a team player and yeah. getting to know Utah. And that's one of the things that I think separates like a really, really good player. Like I think of somebody like Russell Westbrook, who is an awesome player but I, and I don't to be fair to Russell, I don't know all that much about him, but Donovan is a good player, but he also like goes to the local high school games. He goes to the local soccer games, mm-hmm. Real Salt Lake. He'll go to a BYU game and sit on the front row. He'll go to the university of Utah game. Mm-hmm. He'll go up to Logan to Utah state and he'll tweet about these things and like these things that are important. And, and it honestly feels like he truly cares about like the Utah community totally, and he's invested in it versus just doing it because somebody's paying him or he yeah. could be out doing something else. It's better. Yeah. Like he just lived in this apartment and totally uh, played Xbox and PlayStation and <laughs> yeah. And, he's, he, and even with that, like he did a good job at not saying he liked the Xbox or PlayStation more. He's just like playing <laughs> both sides. I'm like, you're really good at just like <laughs> yeah. you're a politician here. Totally. Donovan. You're, you're a celebrity. Here. And there's people, whether they're athletes or not, like they, you know, people know how to put on like their, their smiley face. And when there's a camera in their face, they like smile and stand up straight. Yeah. And then when the camera turns off, they're kind of like not nice. You get that a lot. Like I said, in any part of life, but it happens a lot in, sports but donovan is exactly what you just said like just so chill doesn't matter if you have a camera in his face or not he's gonna like 
treat you good. He, he knew like one little thing is he knew that I had, um, my wife had had a baby and, you know, he remembered that and he'd be like, Oh, how's a little baby? And I'd be like, Oh, he's great. You know, like, thanks for asking. And he might not even remembered my name, but he knew, you know, me and he knew, um, that little tidbit. So he was just, you know, guys put in the effort or, you know, you can tell that they care and it, it, with him, it's like totally obvious. Yeah. Okay. So I said earlier, one of your worst moments, but we won't have to get into that, but let's talk (laughs) about this could fit into that category. Tell me about, the greatest player that you've ever seen in person that is not a jazz player. Oh. And maybe like the greatest moment where it was another team winning, not the jazz winning, but like greatness. I want to hear about like somebody that you look at in the same way, maybe that we're talking about Donovan, sure. but somebody that's, you've been like, you're special, this guy. Well, there's obvious ones like LeBron, obvious ones like Kobe. Um, I'm fine with the obvious ones. <laughs> I like, I love Kobe. Well, the LeBron story was in, it was actually, this is actually before I worked for the Jazz, so I don't know if that counts, but it was in 2007, so it was a year before, I went to a Jazz Cavs game as a fan, and LeBron dropped 50 on the Jazz, and looked amazing, and he got, from notoriously harsh Utah crowd, the entire crowd gave him a standing ovation. Wow. I bet it's on YouTube somewhere, like, all the Jazz fans, because we recognized how great it was, like, he was so good that night that we all were just like, the Jazz just lost but you were amazing. And yeah, we, that's, that's impressive. That, that was like one that sticks out because you don't see that really anywhere in opposing mm-hmm. team. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny. Like, tell me about Kobe. You said the obvious ones, but is there any moment with Kobe where you're like, I just witnessed well, greatness or this guy's special yeah, on off camera, whatever he was. I think with Kobe, it was probably because he was kind of the same way on the court all the time. Just kind of like he was Kobe, right? He's the Mamba. But off the court, just like when you're doing, when he was doing media, which is where I was like up close with him, it was always a giant in, in kind of the business, you call it the scrum, which is just like, you see like all this, the media just kind of like hoard around a player and they're just like huge, almost like half circle or full circle around the player. And you're just like fighting to get your camera, your microphone in there. (laughs) And with a guy like Kobe and LeBron, like the scrum is huge. Like you can't even really get in there. Even in small little Salt Lake City. Even in small Salt Lake City. And Kobe was always so thoughtful with his answers. And he would always, a lot of guys kind of give attitude of like, I don't even want to be doing this. Um, but he would, he would sit there and wait for every guy to finish. Every, like he would wait, like anybody have any more questions? Like he would ask, he would answer wow. any question anybody had. And that always stuck with me because there's so many guys who I said were the opposite of that. We're just like, they have their PR guy say, okay, that's the last question. Okay, we're done. Like he doesn't want to do this. And with Kobe, it was just like he was respectful. It was almost like he was just like chatting with like buddies, which is kind of almost like the opposite of his on-court demeanor because he was so like ruthless. And but that's okay. Um, Some guys, there's their being near them can kind of take like your breath away. And sometimes for me, I'm kind of tall, but it's their size. So I remember when I saw Yao Ming. Like face to face with you. Know I mean? Oh man, he's got to be tall. And that dude's seven six. He and he's not one of the, so like a lot of seven six or seven footers. They're like super skinny. And Yao was like thick. Like he had legs that would like tree trunks, right? Wow. And that's why he his career was so short because he was so heavy. Because he, you know, not like he was fat, but he was just big. Kind of reminds me of Zion Williamson. Like I kind of I worry about his long term sure. health because he is so big and strong like that. You know who Zion reminds me of? Also, Blake Griffin. 
Yeah. Like just like yeah, monstrous dunker. They said a stat. Blake hasn't even dunked a basketball in two years. It's insane. Right? Lob so, City. Back so you worry about these guys who are just built on strength and like dunking and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, just seeing Yao, it's almost like it's almost like you walk into like a cold room and your breath gets taken away. You're just like, whoa, like that guy, like he could literally step on my head. I think if he wanted to. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you think he wanted to? No, okay, I don't Ooh. think he did. <laughs> the last guy I'll mention that because it was always kind of like really cool to be around LeBron and stuff like that. But the guy, for some reason, who like I was in awe of, and this is really kind of random. Okay. See if you Chris guess. Paul. Not Chris Paul. <laughs> no. <Just> kidding. <laughs> Kevin Garnett. Oh, really? Okay. Partially because he was also like way taller than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. But he has, and and if you've ever heard stories about KG, like he's super intense. Like totally. even with like his yeah. eyes and like the way he like looks at you. And like I came into like contact. And then like, we we're doing this little media thing. And I was just like, I was like nervous to be there. You're intimidated. Not that he was going to like injure me or hurt not me, step on you like but I did not want to say something. Cause like, for example, with Kobe, if I asked him a dumb question, he would just answer it. But there's some guys that they don't want to be asked dumb questions and they'll let you know that it was a dumb question. <laughs> and you learn real quick not to ask dumb questions because someone like KG will look at you and give you tons of crap. Kind of like a Greg Popovich or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, Garnett was maybe the one guy, even more than LeBron or Kobe, where I was like totally a starstruck. That's impressive. That's interesting. He's going to the Hall of Fame, I think, in June this yeah. year. And um, we bought a storage locker that had a ton of Kevin Garnett cards, like probably 150 rookie cards. We sent some into PSA to get graded. I'm excited to get them back, like to see what they are. But I always liked KG, and he played tough. His, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, totally hmm. random, but I was a KG fan. I just liked his – I liked his like – no crap like demeanor like he i've heard him on podcast before and he's all about just like team over everything right like Mm -hmm. he doesn't care who's on the other side you're going to war with kevin garnett and like he's going to beat you and i just like that mentality yeah that's great like going back to kobe like i feel like when kobe was a player like you said when he's on the court he's different personality that's the Kobe that I saw. I didn't really listen to his interviews much when he was alive. I would just watch him when he'd go to a jazz game, jazz fans would boo. When I lived in Phoenix for a long time. The fans hated Kobe and they would all boo him. And so I'm like, well, yeah, I don't like Kobe either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just win all the things. And I, and I was on my church mission for a couple of years when him and Shaq won. So I didn't get to see like the greatness of a couple of the years, but, but then after he retired, before he passed away, like I started to listen to him in interviews and some of his business things that he was doing. And I was blown away with like the Mamba mentality, how not kind he was to other people, how thoughtful he was. Mm-hmm. And so I know that like MJ's the greatest of all time, the GOAT. LeBron is reaching that status. Like even yeah. if he retired today, it's still like you can't really decide either way which one's better. But because of all the things he's done off the court and who he is, I feel like Kobe is going to reach a different level. Once they come out with a documentary on him, supposedly they've followed him around for with cameras his entire last year. And then even after doing all these business things and like him with his daughter and they're going to be interviewing all these big people, they're going to make like an MJ documentary, but it's going to be a Kobe. Mm-hmm. I think normal people that don't know much about sports, like my wife, Leslie, she's going to watch it and she's going to go, I really like Kobe. Yeah. And like from a sports card, I know that's a different side of things. I've been investing in sports cards. I feel like his value is just yeah. going to go up a lot because mm-hmm. it's somebody that you're like, I really respect the, what, what, what he did in his life. Totally. His life was too, cut too short. And it's amazing that when you actually see them as a person, 
how much you can like someone because you know sports is sports where i don't like i didn't like tim duncan because the jazz could never beat the spurs but when you actually like listen to tim duncan you're like oh i like this guy yeah right and it's the same thing with kobe you know he was just like thoughtful dude yeah so we turned this podcast into a lot of basketball, a lot more, <laughs> I know. but you can tell we love talking about basketball and Matt knows a lot about basketball, but also has some really good experience. And that's one of the things I really like about you being well-rounded is that you have this corporate world. You now have the YouTube world when it comes to social media, journalism, digital marketing and stuff. You got a pretty dang good resume. I'd say like, it's pretty impressive. And you have a gold play button. Oh, thank you. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Sometimes I, I miss having um, our employees like here in the office, like Hunter, you would come in and sometimes we would just sit and talk about sports, but yeah. then it also makes the content better later. Cause we're relaxed and we're free flowing and we make the content that we're passionate about. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for coming for the podcast all the way down. Yeah, here. of course. It's fun just chatting and this isn't going to be the last podcast. We'll do some more. <laughs> so, um, Let's do it. thank you guys for listening to the podcast today and wherever you listen to it, Thanks for downloading. I don't know if you subscribe on podcasts. You follow yeah. Matt. You have a podcast. What yeah. are the things you say at the end of a podcast? Subscribe, rate. Rating us is a big one. Give us five stars. It's a five star. Yeah, okay. Five star rating. And uh, go to our YouTube channel. We'll have one that's a separate channel just for our YouTube clips where we'll break down some of these stories. I think we're going to have some fun content just from this podcast. Just fun just to chat. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.